This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. It's going to be a, a, a bit of a strange show this morning, kind of a, a, a grab bag, as I called it this morning, because uh, uh, a quiet night in the world of sports last night, but uh, we got a little of this, a little of that to go through, so we will do that this morning. Um, I'm going to start this morning, before we get to sports, you know, I, 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 I read a lot, I watch a lot of news, probably watch way more news than is, is good for me, um, but I am uh, a little dismayed about what's going on uh, in Congress right now. Look, I get it. Um, you know, with the impeachment trial, the second one with Donald Trump, that they felt like they had to do it and send a message. And 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 look, I am I am fully in agreement that Donald Trump is responsible for what happened. And it wasn't just that one speech on that day where, you know, it was we got to fight like hell. It was it was months and months and months of stuff that led up to that. But the impeachment trial's over. He was acquitted, yes, and, and, you know, it was the closest we've ever come to, to having uh, a, a president be convicted in the Senate. We need to move on, and yet we have Nancy Pelosi talking yesterday about how there's going to be an independent panel and a probe uh, into what happened uh, in with the insurrection on the Capitol. And, you know, we, we need to talk more about this. We need to investigate and report on the facts. Look, we all know what the facts were. We have all seen the video. We Enough, for God's sake, enough. You know, and you got, you know, this, this moron Chris Coons from Delaware. You know, there's still more evidence that the American people need and deserve to hear. A 9-11 commission is a way to make sure that we secure the capital. Stop it. How about you get back to running the damn country and let's focus on something else other than Donald Trump. For God's sake, all you continue to do is make this guy relevant. The longer you keep this moron in the news, the longer his people are emboldened. You need to bury this guy. You need to, he needs to be the person who is not named. You know, is it, wasn't there a, a thing in a Harry Potter books? And I, I only read the first one because I never understood the, the great fascination with those books. But wasn't there somebody like some, he who will not be named or something? Like, that's what Donald Trump needs to be. They need to just erase this guy don't just pretend he doesn't exist anymore for christ's sake you know and i'm just it, 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 there's no need 
for hearings. There's no need for any more of this. Enough. How about we worry about feeding all the homeless people or all the starving people in this the, the greatest country in the world, and we've still got homelessness and, and people that are that don't know how they're going to eat every day. How about we worry about that? How about we worry about our roads that are falling apart, our bridges that are falling apart? You know, how about we, how about we worry about healing the divide in this country? Try to figure out a way to meet in the middle. All you're doing by continuing to talk about this stuff is make the divide wider. Am I, I mean, am I, am I out to lunch here? Am I the only person that thinks this way? You know, look, I, I have a lot of friends who are very liberal and very left leaning way more than I am. I am a, I am, as I have said millions of times, I am a registered Republican, but I am a middle of the road guy. Didn't support Trump ever. Won't ever support him. And in a lot of ways, what the Demo- what the Republican Party has done is not the Republican Party I signed up for when I was 18 years old and ready to vote for the first time. You know, and, and have I given some thought to leaving the Republican Party? Absolutely. And, and I still may. I won't become a Democrat, however. I'll, I'd register as an independent because I don't agree with a lot of the Democratic stuff either. You know, but all these people that for four years, not my president, and now when he's gone, they just want to punish the crap out of this guy. How about you shut up and you actually do the stuff you said you w- you wanted to do if you had been in, par- in, in power to begin with? Enough. Enough. And one more thing before we get to sports, speaking of enough, and, and I don't want to sound like the, the you know, old man, get off my lawn, these young kids today kind of thing, but I'm also tired of hearing about how this pandemic is affecting kids, okay? It's affecting everybody. I am tired of hearing about how traumatized these kids are because they have to go to school at home or because their class size is smaller or because they have to wear a mask at school or stop. As I have said again before, if this is the worst thing these kids ever experience in their lives, they should be grateful. My God, I would have killed to be <laughs> to to have been able to go to school at home. And I'm not saying that it isn't necessary for kids to have social interaction, to be able to be around their friends, to be able to play sports, to be able to be in their clubs. And th- there is value to all of that. I was as involved as a student as anybody with clubs and you know, sports and extracurricular, I, 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 you know, so I get how important it can be, but this is, look, this is a year. Okay. We've been going through this for a year now. It's one year out of their lives. And I, I turned to my wife, Barbara this morning and I said, you know what, what I worry about? Well, I, and I shouldn't worry about it cause I won't be here to hear about it. <laughs> well, at least it, you, I'm sure you're all hoping I won't be, you know, unless I live to be a hundred years old. You know, there's going to be kids that are people that are kids today that when they're in their 50s are going to blame everything that's wrong with their lives on the pandemic and the fact that, you know, everything would have been better if I could have just gone to school, if I could have not had to to, you know, take school over the computer, you know, go to class on Zoom 
my life would have been so much better. Please. You know, I'm not saying that we don't need to take care of our children. I don't want to sound like somebody who I, it's not, I don't hate kids. <laughs> I, had, I had a couple of my own. You know, I don't hate kids. But, you know, at the risk of sounding like an absolute a-hole, suck it up, buttercup. You got to go to class uh, on a Zoom computer. And I know it's not ideal. And I know you can't go out and play with your friends. I get it. This too shall pass. And, you know, and if there's one thing that we have learned about humans through the years is, you know, we have we have become masters at adaptation. We figure out ways to adapt to our environment. So what we need to concentrate more on is instead of, you know, oh, poor Johnny, how about we try finding a way to make this, you know, to teach these kids, this is how you adapt. Don't, let's not coddle, let's teach, you know, and let's make, and let's put it in perspective. You know, that's, that, uh, that's all I want. I'm tired of, you know, there was a big thing on the Today Show today. Uh, you know, about, uh, you know, kids, about how traumatized kids are because of the pandemic, for God's sake. You know, this one kid was talking about how, you know, how, uh, you know, I just, I, I just have a hard time concentrating on, on you know, on wa- watching the computer and going to class via Zoom. It, okay. You know what? When I was a kid, you know, we found ways to, if you didn't want to be in a particular class, you had to find ways to entertain yourself. When you're taking a Zoom class at home, nobody knows. Well, you could be you could be on your desk doing a crossword puzzle. Nobody would know. You know, is it different? Yeah. You know, one kid, and then the kid says, "Well, you know, I now because you know when this is over, I find myself getting as far away from from schoolwork as I can and waiting till late at night to do my homework." And that's different. How? When I was a kid, when I got home from school, I couldn't wait to get the hell away from school. I couldn't wait to go out and play with my friends. And, yeah, you know, I'd lie to my parents and say, yeah, my homework's all done. I don't have any homework. You know, and then you find yourself 10 o'clock at night, you know, in your room by yourself, you know, trying to scribble out your homework. That's been going on for time immemorial. It's no different now. You know, I get that these kids are bored. But that, you know, that's part of the problem that we have now. When I was a kid, you had ways to entertain yourself. You figured out how to entertain yourself. Now these kids have no idea how to entertain themselves. They, they need to be entertained. We need to, we need to entertain these kids. There's something wrong with that. So I'm tired of hearing about that, too. I sound a little cranky this morning, don't I? It's just, you know, those are just, ah, oh God almighty. All right, now let's let's actually get to some sports. Uh, some news from this morning uh, happened just before we came on the air this morning. Serena Williams uh, has advanced at the Australian Open. She is now into the quarterfinals, and you know you say and and you know you go ah so what? You know what? Serena Williams is not one of the top seeds in this tournament. I mean, she's what? I think she's seeded tenth. Well, she beat the number two seed today, Simona Halep. In straight sets, six three six three. Didn't play her best tennis, but uh, you know, thirty three unforced errors. But she won the last five games, and she's back 
in the Final Four in Australia for the first time since 2017. Look, this is no mean feat. You know, Serena Williams is in her late 30s. You know, and uh, the, what she's doing is uh, remarkable. Now, since her last championship, she's 0-4 in Grand Slam Finals. And to get to the Grand Slam Finals, she's got some work to do. She has to play number three, Naomi Osaka, uh, in the semifinals. You know, she's going to have some work to do. But, but you know, I mean, she's, what, 37, I think? And so, you know, and she just beat one of the best players in the world in straight sets. Again, you know, she's one of those people where we need to appreciate what we're seeing because we're not going to see that very often. You know, we don't see female tennis or male tennis players, for that matter, into their late 30s playing that well. There were a few. Jimmy Connors played well into his late 30s. But, you know, that was, you know, on occasion. Martina Navratilova, you know, was playing world-class doubles in her 40s. But that's, again, you know, that was doubles. Her singles career, you know, didn't last as long as Serena's was, at least as successful as Serena has been. Uh, She just, uh, she's just, we should, uh, just like Tom Brady, we need to admire what we're seeing from her because she is a marvel. So uh, that's great. That's great. Uh, The NCAA uh, Women's Basketball Committee revealed uh, its top 16 teams to this point. This is something they started doing a few years ago. I'm not a fan of it, to be honest with you. I you know, it one of the one of the fun things about the NCAA tournament, both on the men's and the women's side, is always, you know, when you get down to Selection Sunday, you know, who's going to be in, who's going to be out, and and they've taken away a lot of that fun. The women's basketball committee is uh, releasing uh, usually twice during the season, I think it is, where they release their uh, their top sixteen teams um, to take out kind of the uh, I, I don't know, it takes out the drama. So I hope the men don't start doing that. But anyway, uh, as of right now, uh, the UConn Huskies, who became the number one overall seed in the uh, the top 25 rankings on Sunday, uh, would be the top overall seed in the tournament. Uh, South Carolina, Stanford, and Louisville would be the other top seeds in the tournament. UConn's bracket right now in their regional would include Arizona, Baylor, and Tennessee as the other top three seeds. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, not bad. Not bad. So, uh, I'd like to welcome those of you watching on Facebook Live, by the way. Brian Clark checking in. Hey, Brian, how are you? It's good to uh, good to see. Uh, Brian, of course, is dad, John, uh, the uh, general manager and co-owner of WCNX Radio, recently passed away, and Brian said uh, he's actually breaking down and listening to my show. And he said he had a prior favorite, completely understandable. So, uh, by the way, we're going to have high school basketball here on Sports Country Radio tonight uh, at 530. Uh, It's girls basketball from Cromwell High School. Jay Hickey and I will be there as uh, East Hampton comes in to visit Cromwell. And uh, we are co-branding our basketball broadcast this year with WCNX. WCNX went off the air uh, at the end of 2020. Uh, when John was battling pancreatic cancer, and uh, but uh, we're trying to keep the spirit of WCNX alive, so we have co-branded our our uh, basketball broadcast with WCNX this year, and it's going to be the 14th straight year 
that uh, Sports Country and WCNX have been able to bring you high school basketball here in the state of Connecticut. And we're really pleased to do that. So welcome, Brian, and uh, the, the rest of you that are watching on Facebook Live and listening across the country. We certainly do appreciate it. By the way, if you miss the morning show, we've turned it into a podcast, and it's available on uh, on Apple Music. It's available on Spotify. It's av- available on uh, uh, Amazon Music. I mean, we're everywhere. <laughs> uh, wherever you get your uh, podcast, you can find us. So uh, I hope that uh, uh, that uh, if you don't aren't able to listen to the show in the morning, and I've had a bunch of people out on the West Coast tell me that they have started to uh, to tune it in or, or download it every day and listen to it. So that's great, and they can hear me be pissed off every morning. So uh, anyway, uh, as we said, UConn number one. They'll be the number one overall if the season were to end today. UConn doesn't have a lot of challenges between now and the rest of the season. So I would fully expect that's not going to change. And, and I, you know, it's not big news. The only, the only thing that might be a little bit of a surprise with what they released was that Stanford would be one of the top four seeds overall. Now, Stanford right now number six in the AP Top 25 poll. Uh, North Carolina State and Texas A&M are both ranked higher than Stanford, but Stanford, according to the NCAA committee, based on strength of schedule, et cetera, et cetera, uh, would leapfrog. So, uh, but, but again, I just hope the men never start never start doing that. I really do. Uh, speaking of the UConn women, Paige Beckers um, was the recipient of both the Big East Player and Freshman of the Week award. She wins that for the second straight week, and the only other people in Big East history to do that. Uh, are Maya Moore, Maddie Seagrest, and uh, uh, Alizia Blockton, which are four, three pretty good players um, that won the awards in the same week. But she became the first player to ever do it in back-to-back weeks. Uh, in three wins last week, she averaged 24 points, six assists, shot 55% from the field, including 41% from three-point range. I mean, she's just crazy. Uh, she's averaging over 20 points a game and shooting 56% for the year. She's shooting she is shooting 55% from three-point range. That's like that's unheard of. Uh so and she's only a freshman. Just think about that. You know, just think about how much better uh she's going to be when she really figures it out. <laughs> Rest of the country needs needs to be a little bit worried about that. Uh the AP men's top 25 poll, no change. Gonzaga, Baylor, 1-2 once again. Uh, Gonzaga got 59 of the 64 first-place votes. Uh, Baylor got the other five. They have been 1-2 in the poll for all 13 weeks that they've done the poll this season. And, of course, you know, we missed out. They were supposed to play each other. And the game that was scheduled between the two of them ended up getting canceled because of the COVID-19 issues. Uh, So we were never able to see it. Michigan is number three. Michigan just recently started uh, playing again after being shut down for a couple of weeks. Uh, because of the coronavirus. Ohio State is four. Illinois is five. Uh, the biggest jump this week, uh, Creighton uh, jumped up to number 14, jumped five spots after beating Villanova over the weekend. Villanova dropped from number five to number 10 uh, after that loss. So uh, that's where we're at. UConn men play today. Uh, they will play Providence College tonight. It's a 6.30 start. It's on FS1. UConn got kind of embarrassed by Providence. They played back on February the 10th. Providence won it by 11, and you would say, well, you know, it's not exactly getting blown out of the building, but UConn was awful. 
They were awful. But they bounced back over the weekend. A great win at Xavier on the road. They fell down. The, the thing that was amazing about that Xavier game, they were down 12. First five, six minutes of the game, they looked like they were sleepwalking and they were about to get blown out of the building. And then the next thing you know, they just exploded. R.J. Cole with a huge game. Uh, he had 24 against Xavier. So there is some hope that tonight they're going to be able to turn this around, and it's in their home building. And they may have James Booknight back tonight. The uh, Dan Hurley was talking with his surgeon on that that did the work on his elbow over the weekend, and there is hope that he will play today. Look, they, they need him to play. They don't need him to beat Providence. They should be able to beat Providence without him. Providence is 11-10, and 7-8 and eight in the Big East. I mean, this is a team that, that UConn's got to be able to beat. But the Providence defense has been really, really stingy lately. They held DePaul to 47 points on Saturday. And, of course, the game before that, they held UConn uh, to 59. Their opponents are shooting only 30% from three-point range. So, you know, their defense is playing very, very well. But this is a, this is a game that UConn should win with or without James Booknight. But obviously... Uh, they need to get him back sooner rather than later. They still have a handful of games left before the uh, NCAA or before the Big East tournament and the NCAA tournament. So uh, they need to get him back and, and get him ready to roll. But if R.J. Cole continues to play the way he did and Tyrese Martin continues to play the way he did uh, against Xavier, they'll be just fine. Um, Boston College fired Jim Christian, their head men's basketball coach, uh, yesterday. Uh, Christian has struggled at BC, no question. They were 3-13 and 13 this year, but they have been hit harder by the coronavirus than anybody. You know, it's so strange. BC handled the coronavirus so well during football season. They were able to play their entire schedule, and for whatever reason, they were able to navigate it, but the men's basketball team has not. Uh, they, at one point, were down to four scholarship players available to play. Uh, they were supposed to play uh, Florida State with just four scholarship players and a whole bunch of walk-ons. Uh, fortunately for them, Florida State had to uh, call the game off because they had a positive test. And uh, and they only had six scholarship players available when they lost to Syracuse on Saturday. It, you know, so, but having said that, uh, Christian's been there for seven years. Uh, his record is 78 and 132. They've had one, he's had one winning season in six years. Uh, now, this is a guy that in the lower levels, he coached at Kent State, uh, TCU, and, and the University of Ohio. And they were, you know, he was really good. Uh, you know, you know, coaching those mid-major programs, he did great. He has struggled in the, uh, at Boston College and in the ACC. So uh, he has been fired. Their assistant coach is taking over for the rest of the season, uh, Scott Spinelli. And uh, then we'll see what they do going forward. You have the first name that popped up in a lot of people's mouths and wouldn't be a bad hire. I don't know if he'd be interested, uh, but Tommy Amaker, the head coach at Harvard, uh, who has, you know, former star at Michigan, uh, is a guy that uh, uh, would be a good fit there. I just don't know. He's, he really seems comfortable at Harvard, but uh, that's the first name that everybody brought up. A couple other quick notes. Uh, Jalen Johnson from Duke has opted out of the rest of the season. Uh, he is projected to be a lottery pick and uh, has decided he's not going to play the rest of the year. Uh, I don't know if it has to do with the fact that Duke is 8-8 eight and eight and they're not having a very good year. And he has been playing fewer minutes lately 
for a guy who's supposed to be a lottery pick uh, in 13 games this year, he's only averaged 11 points, uh, six rebounds a game, and averaging about 21 minutes a game. He did miss three games with it with an, a foot injury this year, but uh, you know he had a huge game against Pittsburgh last month where he had 24 points and 16 boards. But since then, his playing time has gone downhill, and I don't know whether it's been by design for Mike Shashevsky to try to protect the kid, or whether there's something else going on. Don't know, but uh, I do know that he is out for the rest of the year, and you know he's a freshman, and he's supposed to be a one and done. And it looks like even if he de- he decides to stay in school, it isn't going to be a Duke because if he's opted out of the rest of the season, he's bailed on his teammates. Uh, not going to go over well. Uh, Michael Jordan has uh, donated ten million dollars. Uh, to a couple of health clinics down in North Carolina to have them built, actually, uh, in New Hanover County. Uh, it's along North Carolina's southeastern coast, not far from Wilmington, where Michael Jordan grew up. Uh, he had already uh, uh, opened a Michael Jordan family clinic in Charlotte, a couple of them, actually, in 2019 and 2020, and now he's going to open two more working with uh, Novent Health uh, to try to serve or to, to, uh, yeah, to serve the underserved community of that area. So uh, good for him. You know, Michael Jordan, say what you want, whether you think he's the best basketball player of all time or not, this is a guy that made millions in his career and is one of those guys that puts his money where his mouth is, and, and you have to admire him for that. It's 31 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday morning, a chilly Tuesday morning, although we are very fortunate here in uh, Middletown, uh, in the middle of the state where we got mostly rain. We did get some freezing rain overnight, but the northern part of the state, there are a lot of school delays and stuff this morning, and uh, an ice storm uh, kind of hit the northern part. But we were right on that fringe. We were very lucky. But we've got another snowstorm coming on Thursday. Lucky us. Uh, but it could be worse. I, I know our uh, we have some friends down in Texas that uh, got hit pretty bad uh, getting snow in places they don't normally get snow. Uh, so not a lot of fun. For a lot of people across the country, record-setting temperatures, record lows. You know, and, and it's so funny. My uh, my wife, we were talking last night. She was joking about global warming. And, you know, and the thing is, is, you know, we, we say global warming is kind of the, uh, the catch term. But really, you know, what you get when you have global warming, it isn't just about warm temperatures. It's about extreme weather. You know, when you get the situation that we have now, it's not just about extreme heat, but it's also about cold. Now, we've had, you know, the warmest year on record last year, but you get those major swings, and you see stuff that you don't normally see. They had snow in Louisiana. Louisiana, for God's sake. So, uh, anyway, um, the good news is baseball spring training starts this week. Uh, Pitchers and catchers report to most camps tomorrow. Excuse me. Uh, most can't, most teams tomorrow, the Red Sox, for instance, start tomorrow, although some of them are already there. One of the things Major League Baseball has done, normally you would see, you know, Florida would be crawling with reporters right now uh, for all of the teams down there reporting about what's going on. Major League Baseball has told media across the country to stay away for at least a week. So instead of them being down there when camps first open, uh, the players will get a chance to kind of just get their feet underneath and figure out uh, the way spring training is going to be. We kind of saw this last year, you know, where you're not meeting in big groups and you're just more distance apart. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be kind of the way it was last year. They've made some further adjustments in that 
Uh, games could be as few as five innings. If the managers decide between themselves that you know their pitchers have gotten enough work for the day, they'll just call the game after five. Um, now, later on in spring training, you won't have that option, but for at least the first couple of weeks of spring training games, you know they they're probably only they're probably not going to go any more than seven, and they could go as few as five. The other thing that they have changed is now you don't have long bus rides. You know, in the past, the Red Sox, you know, they had some rides to some of their spring training games that would be three hours. Don't have that anymore. Everything for Boston is going to be within a one-hour drive, so it's only going to limit their ability to play, I think, to about five or six different teams. Like, they won't play the Yankees in spring training this year. Now, uh... Tampa's only what a you know from where they are in Fort Myers what about two two and a half hours they won't make that drive now so they won't play the Yankees in 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 preseason you know who cares you know but they'll play you know like the Braves and the Phillies and and uh, the Minnesota Twins who of course are in the same town so it's it's going to be different but it's still going to be baseball and I'm pretty excited about that um, Major League Baseball by the way announced or the Baseball Hall of Fame I should say announced over the weekend that. The Hall of Fame ceremony, they are going to have it, but it's going to be different this year. They're not having it outside. Now, of course, if you remember, they canceled last year's uh, induction with Derek Jeter because of the pandemic. They decided this year they were going to have it, and the idea originally was it was going to be the normal one. They were going to have it outside, but because they don't want to have these mass events you know, with you know tens of thousands of people, they're going to move it to a smaller venue inside with a limited crowd. It will be a televised event. Um, and look, Derek Jeter's going in. So you knew that it was going to be a huge crowd. When they inducted Mariano Rivera back uh, in, what, 2019, they had 55,000 people. When it was Mariano, Edgar Martinez, Roy Halladay, uh, you know, Mike Mussina, Lee Smith, and Harold Baines, 55,000 people. So with Derek Jeter going in, they knew it was going to be a huge crowd, and they just did not want to take the chance, so they decided that they were going to move it inside. You know what? Not a bad move. Uh, the you know, And at the end of the day, I don't think the, I don't think these players really will care that much you know, they still get the chance to make the speech. They still get the, the chance to thank everybody. I mean, I, I guess there's maybe a little bit of a loss of luster and that you're not doing it in front of a huge crowd, but it's still going to be nationally televised, so they'll still get their their last moment in the sun, if it as it were. So, uh, anyway, but, you know, look, as as I said earlier in the show with, with, with kids, you know, we all have to adapt. If the worst thing that ever happens in your life is you got to go to school on a computer or you got to, God, I'm going into Hall of Fame and I can't do it in front of 10,000 people, that's horrible. If, if that's the worst thing that ever happens in the rest of your life, consider yourself lucky. Um, the other thing that happened over the weekend is Major League Baseball um, has announced the realignment for the 120-team minor leagues. And it, it's all been done geographically, you know, and they have not named it. It's weird. I mean, they have the AAA East, AAA West, 
you know, it's just kind of weird. Double A Central, Double A Northeast, which, by the way, the Double A Northeast is where the Hartford Yard Goats are. Um, you know, with Binghamton, Hartford, New Hampshire, Portland, Reading, and Somerset. There's really no change there. The difference is, is that, like, for instance, the Eastern League used to involve, uh, which was most of the Double A up here, it involved Akron, Altoona, Bowie, Erie, Richmond. Well, now they've they've basically taken it and they've divided it up into two divisions. It's really no different. So instead of it being called the Eastern League, it's now the Double A Northeast. I don't know what the hell that means, but uh, I would imagine they will eventually rename all these. You know, like for instance, the Triple A out here used to be the International League. That's where the Pawtucket Red Sox played. You know, so now it's going to be a little bit different. And, uh, you know, of course, now Pawtucket no longer. It's now the Worcester Red Sox. Uh, but they will be in with Buffalo and Lehigh Valley, Rochester, Scranton, uh, Syracuse, and Worcester. And the other thing that they that baseball has done, and this is not a bad idea with some of the realignment, is that all of the AAA affiliates will be within about 200 miles each other or 200 miles of the parent club. So now if something comes up and you need to call somebody up, they're a three hour car ride away at most, you know, now for Boston, obviously with, you know, they're in Worcester. I mean, you could be in, in Boston in 45 minutes, you know, so, uh, but by and large, it's not a really huge drive, you know, now, uh, Charlotte to the Charlotte, Knights, for instance, that's the White Sox. That's a little bit of a stretch. You know, that's a little bit more than 200 miles. But, you know, Buffalo is the AAA team for the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, that's, you know, same thing. Lehigh Valley for the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, so they're they're doing their best, I think, to try to make it as feasible and less costly as possible. The other part of this is the realignment aside. And, and again, I wasn't a favor in favor of what they did. They're still, you know, about 30 or 35 cities that lost their teams and they're not getting them back. Uh, they're going to have to try to figure something else out, whether it's some kind of independent league or whatever. But, uh, but one of the other, the positive things here that MLB did is that they are going to start playing or paying their players better. Uh, the, the pay raises are going to range from depending on the level you play in anywhere from 38% to 72%. That is, uh, significant. For instance, if you're playing at the rookie in a rookie league, uh, your raise is going to be between three and four hundred dollars a week. That's real money. You know these guys were you know these guys were existing on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and Ruman was you know eight guys in a in a in an apartment, you know, to try to survive. You know, if you're at AAA now, you know you're going to get a raise between five and seven hundred dollars a week. You know, in other words, you're going to get another three grand a month. You know, this gives these minor leaguers an opportunity to actually survive and have a living wage. You know, and it's about time. So uh, the minimum is going to be covered uh, by the MLB Players Association. It's part of the collective bargaining agreement. So you know, the mi- the minimum salary now is going to be forty six thousand dollars. You know, we had guys playing in low A and rookie leagues that were making uh, half that, if that. You know, now a guy that uh, is uh, 
playing in a higher league for a guy who, who playing as second year later, his minimum is going to increase to about $91,000 a year. You know, considering the billions of dollars there are in Major League Baseball, that's the least they can do. So you got to give them a lot of credit for that. Now, the one question I have, and it's not just on baseball. You know, I was thinking about this over the weekend. I saw a, a trailer for the new uh, Avengers movie. Or no, New Justice League movie, you know, and it's it costs you know God knows you know hundred million dollars to make whatever it is. At what point do the economics stop working? For instance, are movie theaters ever going to reopen, or are we now is our new normal going to be movies are going to be direct to streaming? You know that's what they're doing now. I mean, with HBO Max and you know, obviously with Netflix and you know, because they're doing a lot of programming. Are we getting to a point where we're not going to have movie theaters anymore? Everything's going to be streaming. If that's the case, you know, how much money is going to be there? Now, you know, in the past when they talk about how much money movies made, it was based on ticket sales. Are you going to be able to make as much money from streaming as you did from ticket sales? So are we going to get to a point, for instance, where you know Tom Cruise is going to make a movie and he's not going to be able to command $15 million to make a movie because the money's not going to be there? Are we going to start seeing these big-budget movies kind of going away? You know, I, I mean, where's the money going to come from? Same thing with Major League Baseball. You know, we didn't have fans all last year. Teams lost you know, probably a billion dollars combined. You know, and if we get to a point this year where we're allowing, you know, 25% capacity, at what point does the economics no longer work to allow these raises to happen, to allow baseball players who are now making $30 million a year, at what point do we stop having the ability to do that? And, like, for instance, now with the free agent signings, there are still a lot of free agents out there. I don't think it has anything to do with collusion. I don't think it has anything to do with anything other than teams trying to figure out where the money's coming from, you know, and what's their revenue going to look like this year. Are they going to be able to operate in the black, you know, and what is that, what is the capacity, you know, because not only are you losing ticket revenue, you're losing, you know, concessions, you're losing parking, you know, depending on what your setup is for the various, you know, venues, you're losing all kinds of money. And at what point do the advertisers say, well, if we're not going to have butts in the seats, why am I going to advertise all over your ballpark, you know, for like a, a two-second thing that's going to appear on a, a broadcast on a baseball game? At what point do advertisers start pulling away? So you wonder, you know, it's great that they're doing this in minor league baseball, but at some point the economics of everything, not just ba not just baseball, but all the professional sports and entertainment, you know, uh, it's going to break. You know, and you wonder where that breaking point is and, and are we close to it? I don't think we are, you know, and if we really are through this pandemic by the end of the summer, as most experts think we're going to be, we'll probably be fine. But it, it certainly uh, gives you food for thought. It's 47 minutes past the hour. we got to take another break. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 50 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. Just a few minutes left this morning before uh, – we head out and get ready for our uh, big high school game tonight again. We'll have it on at 5.30 East Hampton at Cromwell. Jay Hickey and I will be there. That uh, should be a lot of fun. Jay and I have not had a chance to work together in over a year, so uh, it'll be fun to uh, get back in the saddle uh, again tonight. 
Uh, some baseball signings to talk about. Justin Turner is returning to the Los Angeles Dodgers. There was a lot of speculation. The Mets were really hot uh, trying to get Justin Turner, but he re-signs with the Dodgers two years, $34 million, $17 million bucks a year. Nice work if you can get it, uh, especially for a guy who's 36 years old. But, look, he hit three 307 last year in that shortened season, four homers, 23 runs, batted in. Um, and the deal can, includes a club option for a third year, uh, which could bring the value up to $48 million over three years. Um, look, this is a guy, since he has joined the Dodgers, he has hit 302 with 116 home runs. You know, uh, he started his career with the Mets, wasn't very good. The Mets shipped him out, and he has blossomed in Los Angeles. So it makes perfect sense uh, for him to stay there. And think about this. The Dodgers, who won the World Series last year, are bringing everybody back. Almost their entire team is back. Oh, and by the way, we added the Cy Young Award winner in Trevor Bauer to the team. This team, look, I don't care what anybody else has done. I know that the Mets have signed a bunch of people. I know that the San Diego Padres have been very active. But unless they are hit with a rash of bad luck, and by bad luck I mean, you know, uh, a lot of injuries to key people or, you know, something fluky happens in the playoffs, I don't see how the hell the Dodgers don't win the World Series again. They, they have to be prohibitive favorites. I mean, they are. I mean, look, who did they lose? They lost Jock Peterson, you know, who they they traded away. But so what? You know, they they had a lot of outfield depth, and they lost Kike Hernandez to the Red Sox, who is a great utility player. But again, with Gavin Lux in the in the in the wings, a guy that they can easily replace. So all their key players are back. If you're the, if you're the National League, I mean, you just got to be shaking your head. And and they don't even care about money. They are so far over the luxury tax threshold, it's not even funny. The threshold this year is $210 million. I think the Dodgers are already at spending $242 million. I mean, it's ridiculous. They're just making a mockery of it. But, but you know, and, and the thing was is because they reset their penalties last year by staying under that threshold, they're considered a first-time offender this year. So their penalty, their tax, by going over the luxury uh, tax threshold is only going to be about, I want to say, $7 bucks. So, you know, they're looking at it going, eh. You know, now they won't be able to do that again next year because the penalties become even stiffer. But for this year, they're going, eh. Got a chance to win back-to-back, and it's going to cost us an extra $7 bucks. Eh, so what? So uh, Justin Turner heading back to Dodgerland, and it's going to be frightening. Now, speaking of the Padres, and they have been very active. No question about it. They have made some great moves. They have the potential to be uh, the top challenger to the Dodgers in the NL West, although I don't think it's going to be that significant. But uh, they signed a couple of relievers over the weekend. Mark Melanson is going to join the Padres. Now, Melanson's 36, but look, this is a guy who has been an elite closer in this league and has turned into a very serviceable 7th and 8th inning guy. Uh, Excelled with the San Francisco Giants, pitched well for the Atlanta Braves, so he will be joining the San Diego Padres on a one-year deal. And they also signed yesterday Keone Kayla. Now, Kayla was injured last year, uh, only 
appeared in three games for the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, because he had an injury. And uh, but you know this is a guy who's only 27 years old. In his six years with the Texas Rangers before joining Pittsburgh last year, uh, he struck out 266 guys in 216 innings, 21 and 11. Uh, he's a guy that you know can can be a setup guy. He's also a guy that can close. You know, so you know, add this on top of that great starting staff that the Padres are going to have, and uh, they'll give the Dodgers a run for their money. But uh, but this is a couple of good additions to that bullpen. But I still <laughs> still don't think it's going to be enough. Uh, word is is that the Chicago Cubs and Jake Arrieta have reunited. Arrieta, of course, uh, pitched for the Cubs. Uh, for a number of years, won the Cy Young Award with the Cubs back in 2015. And, the course, was on the world champion uh, Cubs team back in 2016. He was 68-31 and 31, uh, with a 2.73 ERA with uh, five years with the Cubs and then joined the Philadelphia Phillies as a free agent and did not do well there. He was 22-23 and 23 with an ERA of almost four and a half in 64 starts over three years with the uh, Phillies. So he is headed back to Chicago where he had his most success. I don't know what he's got left in the tank. You know, I don't know that his lack of success in Philly had to do with anything other than he's getting old and maybe he's losing some of his stuff. He's 34 years old, so we'll see. Uh, but, you know, the Cubs are desperate for pitching because they traded you Darvish to the Padres in December, and then they let John Lester leave as a free agent to go uh, to the Washington Nationals. So they're hurting. I mean, they've got Zach Davies. They've got Kyle Hendricks. But then after that, it's a crapshoot. You know, you got Alex Mills and Trevor Williams and uh, and now Arietta. So, you know, it's going to be a much thinner Cubs pitching staff, but Arietta's got a chance maybe to, uh, you know, to resurrect his career a little bit there. Uh, the New York Mets are uh, in agreement with Kevin Pillar. Uh, Pillar, who spent – Last year with both the Red Sox and the Rockies, uh, signed a one-year deal for $5 million. Bucks. Uh, he hit 288 last year, you know, and had an OPS of over 800. So, you know, he's still – and he's a, a, a premier defensive center fielder. So, you know, we'll see what the Mets plan to do. Now, there, there was talk that they were going to put Brandon Nimmo as their everyday center fielder. But I could see, you know, Pilar in center, Nimmo in left, Conforto in right. You've got J.D. Davis. You know, I mean, they've got – uh, oh, they also uh, added Albert Almora Jr. They had been in talks supposedly with Jackie Bradley Jr. I got to think that's out the window now that they've signed Pilar, but, you know, who knows? Who knows? So, well, that's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hope you can join us for some high school basketball at 530 tonight. We leave you with some music this morning from Josh Turner, your man. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.